This is the Tribune Talk podcast with Trustful Tribune publisher Scott Buttram and former city councilman Zach Steele discussing local news and politics. All right, everybody, welcome to the Trib Talk podcast. Zach Steele, Scott Buttram here. And uh, Scott, we, uh, we had the election last night, the primaries, and no major surprises, I would say. Kay Ivey gets through without a runoff. There was some speculation about that. Uh, Katie Britt, I guess, is the surprise, even though recently it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, but the margin kind of was like, margin kind of was a surprise to me. Right, right. Um, anything stand out to you? No, I, I think I think you kind of wrapped it up pretty well. I mean, th- there were no surprises um, other than maybe mild surprises. Okay, yeah. uh, Kay Ivey, the polling showed her with a pretty solid chance to win without a runoff. Remember, she won without a runoff four years ago. Sure. And and I think her challenge was stronger four years ago mm-hmm. with Tommy Battle, uh, Bradley Burns, some of the people that were in this in this race four years ago. She didn't face that kind of challenge this time. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, she has proven to be a very popular governor mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't been a terrible governor. I don't think she's been a great governor. No. Uh, but the people of Alabama have the final say in that, and she won decidedly without a runoff. Yeah. 56% uh, is, is an extremely strong finish. Tim James was was a fake challenger from the beginning. Yeah. He had no message. Uh, he, he had no traction. Lindy Blanchard, a newcomer, very similar to Tim James, really no message, uh, really no traction. Uh, nothing to get a foothold to take on a very popular governor, and th- they're done now. They'll go home. Uh, be interested to see what happens. Tim James was scheduled for Tribune Unscripted last week, uh, called in and asked to delay to this week, assuming he would be in the runoff. Uh, we will find out if he shows up tomorrow for Tribune Unscripted. We'll, uh, we'll, I bet you're going to have to fill that time. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what. Maybe he'll want to come in and talk about it. Um, that number's been disconnected. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. We won't well, make, I hope we, you we do because I, I hope he does show up because I want to hear you ask him questions about what you and I talked about with some of the stuff he got into. Uh, well, there's, a, uh, you know, I, it, I would like to ask him those questions, but the truth is it's all a moot point at this it point is. because it did not resonate with Alabama voters. No. Uh, and some of the areas that he went with this campaign, uh, using a bunch of high school kids at the Acceptance Academy uh, to attack Governor Ivey, uh, that, that, is, that is something that should never happen in any state. Sure. Um, I thought it was reprehensible that he did it. And good on the Alabama voters for slapping him down, yeah. popping him right between the eyes and slapping him out of his seat on that because it, it showed what a reprehensible person he really is. Yeah. Well, I, I just think it was really bad political calculus. You know, I mean, there's something. No, no, no. It, this goes beyond that. This, this does not, it's not just, you're right about that now, yeah. okay? Bad political capital uh, or calculus, that, that's true. But this goes beyond this. That exposed him as a bad human being, yeah. a bad person yeah. that does not belong in leadership role. And, and again, good on Alabama for rejecting that kind of garbage yeah. uh, from Tim James. Well, I mean, we've got a lot of things going on. We've got a lot of things to worry about. And I didn't hear a lot of that. I didn't hear a lot, especially from him. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about gas prices and inflation. And He had no message. 
He had. He, he had really didn't. Sense. And and you know, I I think I think this is happening. Uh, and it, I, I think nationwide, this is happening acro- uh, across the country. People are getting sick of these mm-hmm. political wedge issues. They're, they're, there's just, you know, it's not it's not a kitchen table issue. No, uh, it's not affecting the way you feed your family, the way you take care of your family. Yeah. And and I think you're right about that. I, I think people are tired of hearing about it when they're trying to figure out how do I put groceries on the table when. Two weeks worth of grocery bills are eaten alive at the gas pump every month. Yep. You know, the, these are the things that are affecting people's everyday lives, and, and they don't want to hear this garbage. Well, not to mention those groceries are way more expensive, too. Oh, exactly. I mean, everything's exactly. more expensive now. And, and, and we're talking necessities yeah. here. These, you know, these are not luxury items. You know, the bottom line with Tim James, uh, rich kid born with a silver spoon in his mouth, that has accomplished nothing on his own in this lifetime. And at this point, I think we can probably put it to bed. He will not accomplish anything in this lifetime other than managing his inheritance from daddy. Yeah, well, hopefully he's decent Let's hope he does a better job at that or (laughs) he'll be on the uh, public dole before we know it. Well, um, I'm excited for Katie Britt. You know, she, she seems like a a really genuine person, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I, I hope she she pulls it off in the runoff. I, I'm a, I'm am kind of a fan of hers, um, even though our politics are not 100. Uh, percent But I, I just I like her message. It's uplifting, right. and, and that's that's important. And well, I don't, I, you know, I, I Mo Brooks, kind of like on what we talked about. He's he likes to go to these wedge issues, and I, you know, I just think people want solutions to stuff that that we got going on now. And and you know, he he's no matter what he does, he's he's going to be tied to that January sixth stuff um, because of the speech he made. Um, whether that's fair or unfair, depending on who you ask, um, I, I think that he's I, even in Alabama, I think that tarnishes him a little bit because I think at the end of the day. You know, most people are still patriotic and most people still care about this country. And most people were still pretty horrified by what happened on January the 6th. And um, and he's he's forever linked to it because he gave a speech right before it happened. Now, whether that's fair or unfair, you know, I don't know. But he was there and um, and he's still having to answer questions about it. So. Yeah. Um, and I don't think in the state of Alabama that affected him one bit. I just don't think it's. I, I don't think January six is an issue in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, in, in most circles, it is in some. Um, but I, I, to me, that's. I don't know that that's the factor. I don't think that's a factor that changed this race. Um, I think there are a lot of. This is. I think first of all, it's a fascinating race in general. You know, when in Katie Brett, uh, who came out the clear leader last night. You're talking about somebody that had absolutely zero name recognition six months ago. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew who she was. Yeah. Uh, much less, you know, that she was running for Senate or why they should vote for her. So uh, the fact that she was able to go grassroots, visited all 67 counties multiple times mm-hmm. in some cases, uh, she was able to affect that name recognition. And that's a lesson for all politicians. It's very difficult to do this on statewide races, but there's no substitute with shaking people's hands, look them in the eye, and introducing yourself. Yeah. And and that paid big dividends for her. With Mo Brooks and Mike Durant, 
I mean, all three candidates could not have been any more different. No, while, while there are similarities, and that I've always felt like the conservative vote would be secure in that Senate seat, no matter which of the three ended up winning this thing. Uh, I think Alabamians will see a consistently conservative vote coming from that seat. But the delivery of that vote could be very couldn't be more different, actually, yeah. between the three candidates. Uh, Durant who I think I think was exposed uh, as an outside interloper, not an Alabamian. Uh, his, he, the, the, let's, let's just look at this. $10 million in his campaign, or, or almost $11 million in his campaign. $10 million were self-loans. Yeah. He loaned his campaign $10 million. He only garnered about 500000 in donations. Yeah. Statewide. That's the opposite of grassroots. That's right. And that is not all Alabama contributions. Yeah. Okay. So only half a million dollars of 11 million was actually contributed to his campaign. Uh, he wrote the check for the other 10 million. Yeah. Must be nice. Probably regretting that this morning. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think he was, uh, he would, he refused to uh, debate, he refused to address issues. Multiple things came out that did not cast a positive light on him, both personally and professionally. Um, ultimately, the voters just, and he was leading in the polls a few weeks ago, yeah. okay? But ultimately, Alabama voters took a closer look and said, not, you're not one of us. Yeah. And uh, they focused on Brett and Brooks, who are the two Alabamians in this race, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, with Mo Brooks, I, I think most people in Alabama, the majority probably agree with most of his votes. I think what you touched on earlier about wedge issues, uh, pettiness, making mountains out of a molehill that don't need to be, don't need to get the attention he gives it sometimes. I think that's what's wearing thin on voters. I'll I give you a so. prime example. Um, the Congress passed a Juneteenth holiday. Mm -hmm. It's just a few months ago. Okay. Yep. There was one no vote in the entire House of Representatives, Mo Brooks. Not because he was opposed to a Juneteenth holiday, but because he had come up with some calculus in his mind that it should be another day other than the day that was being recognized. Okay. So he becomes the only no vote in the United States Congress yeah. over some personal, petty calculus yeah. instead of just moving on to something that matters. Alabamians are sick and tired of the state of Alabama being held out this way yeah. and, and being held up um, for ridicule this way because of stupid decisions by their politicians. Honestly, that's kind of where Mo Brooks lost me. Yeah. When, when, I, when I saw him do this ridiculously petty stuff, yeah. and instead of focusing on what matters, that's when I started looking a lot harder at Katie Britt. Yeah. Um, now Britt, to me, the big surprise there is the margin of her win. Uh, everybody expected her to be high 30s, maybe 40%. Yeah. She came in at a solid 46% yeah. statewide. Yeah. Performed much better in rural Alabama than anybody thought she was going to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, she... But you know what? That's where she's been shaking hands. Yeah. Rural Alabama. Yeah. She didn't ignore them. She went and saw them, visited with them, met them. So big payoff there. But probably, to me, 
the biggest surprise that of, of the night was Katie Britt's performance in the 5th Congressional District, Mo Brooks District, yeah. in Huntsville. Uh, Madison County, Limestone County, and what's the other county up there? Marshall. Uh, Marshall. Mm -hmm. uh, Katie Brooks was neck and neck with Mo Brooks in everybody, everywhere except Madison. Madison, um, Brooks had a pretty good lead there, but Britt was still in it. Yeah. The other two counties, she stayed neck and neck with him. Yeah. I, the, and the big thing is, I don't think the Durant vote is an automatic Brooks vote at all. No, I don't. Th I think you're right, and I think that they're gonna. I, I think I don't think it's gonna be close. If if they have decent voter turnout, that's, that's right. the that's the wild. And that's card. what you never know. Yeah, that's, runoff, that's the wild know? card in a runoff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that I think she'll. I think she'll. The seats hurts to lose at this point. So I agree with that. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, something terrible happened in uh, Texas yesterday, mm -hmm. I, uh, and unfortunately, it's all too familiar, and uh, has happened way too often. You had someone go into a school and shoot up a classroom, and killed a bunch of kids and a teacher. Right. Um, what What do we say at this point? I mean, you. Where, where are we as a society? I mean, I, I know, and we can, you can talk about gun control here, you can talk about Second Amendment, um, but where are we as a society? I mean, that this kind of thing happens, that, that we continue to allow this kind of thing to happen. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember the day when, when Sandy Hook happened, it happened to happen on my birthday, uh, a few years ago, um, but it was, it was, uh, I mean, I mean, I remember just being very upset because I, you know, I, our daughters are the same age and right. we both had daughters that age. That age, that's right. Um, they were, you know, they were both kindergartners yeah. at it, the time. It hit home. Um, and, you know, and you, and it, and it broke, it broke your heart then and then it happens again and again and again. Um, my my new neighbors up uh, up at my uh, lake are from uh, they're from Fort Lauderdale area, mm -hmm. um, and their kids were in the school when uh, that shooting happened down in Florida. They had and and the parents were telling me this story. They were the first to arrive. They saw the police cars racing towards the school, so they followed. Um, and they were standing there on the sidewalk as kids walked out with gunshot wounds. And, mm. um, and they said, and, and one of the reasons that they bought a serene, quiet lake house in the middle of nowhere in Alabama all the way from Fort Lauderdale is because they felt like their kids needed just a, to, be, to be away. To be away. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it's, it's just a sad commentary. And I, you know, um, but, but this guy, it sounds like another, you know, another person with some emotional and mental problems mm -hmm. that that did something crazy. But, I mean, I think you and I are probably in agreement on gun regulation. Um, I don't think that either one of us feels like that they should go door to door and take everybody's gun away. Right. But I, I think you and I are in agreement that there has to be something that keeps you know, assault weapons out of the hands of people right. who 
have no business with them. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, um, I think most most reasonable people agree with it. I, you know, this is a multifaceted issue. It is, and it's going to require a multifaceted answer uh, that that requires some uh, thoughtful conversation. Unfortunately, we, we're, you say what's going on in our society. We, we've become so polarized. Yes, we have. That, and, and we saw it yesterday, Zach. You, you saw it. You, you watched the news, and, and, and I think you're like I am. I, I channel surf. I jump, I'm, mm -hmm. I jump among the national news channels, and it was, it was shot. one of the shocking things to me was how quickly some of them quit reporting the facts of what was going on in Texas and immediately started politicizing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, th it's, we, that's who we are as a, a society, unfortunately, is that we're going to go to the political conversation uh, inevitably. It's going to happen every time something like this happens. And, and the question I think we should ask ourselves is, is that resolving the issue it's and, a, and it's, it's you know not. that's not getting us anywhere. So it's it is multi. You just mentioned mental health. This is an area that we don't really talk about, uh, other than when something like this pops up. But Alabama is is one of the great examples of what has happened with mental health, not in the last year, not in the last ten years, generationally. Okay, you go back, and I grew up in Tuscaloosa. You go back and you look at Bryce Hospital, Partlow State School and Hospital, both located in Tuscaloosa, both dealing with mental health. Mental health. Um, in, in the case, I believe it was Bryce, it may have been Partlow, I think it was Bryce. Um, when you go back to the origin of that being built, that facility being built and, mm -hmm. and what took place there, farms where the, the um, patients or, or residents worked, on, on farms, they raised their own food, they raised their own cattle. Uh, they, it, was, it was menial labor, but it was meaningful to them. It gave them a purpose. Sure. And then along came uh, some, I'm sure, well-meaning people uh, who, who said, no, no, this is, you can't force them into labor. And so we've had multiple federal court decisions over generations yeah. that moved away from that. Um, and then, it, then we began the mainstreaming. We mm -hmm. shouldn't be putting these people in institutions. We should be mainstreaming them, teaching them to live in society. There is value there, and for some of those people, no question, that may have been a better, better route to take. Okay, yeah. but as a society, we tend to knee-jerk one one direction and the other, and we look at things. We, we forget things that actually probably worked and were and were. Were, were good for some in the case of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. And so that has changed dramatically. We don't have these facilities and we don't have these institutions and, and we, we probably need them. Well, we probably that's a conversation that needs to be had. It's funny you bring that up. I, I think I wrote a column uh, in the Tribune after Sandy Hook mm -hmm. um, and it was talking about mental health stuff and how nationally, in Alabama and nationally, the number of beds for mental health patients right. is shrinking. Right. By uh, design. There's, That's intentional. There's not, um, That's intentional. There, there's, there's not enough care for folks that need it. That's right. There's also the stigma that goes along with, with that kind of thing for folks that, um, folks that are looking for some mental, mental health. Yeah. Um, and, you know, 
I think at the end of the day, we have to, it, to, to fix this problem, it's got to be multifaceted. It does. Um, it does. And, you know, I am not going to, I'm not going to say, obviously not going to say, well, let's just go door to door and take all the guns away. That's, that, that, you can't do that now. And you, you can't. Okay? Yeah, I, I mean, the, there's no reason to have that conversation because it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But what you can have conversations about is, is things like background checks for people right. and waiting periods. I, I don't, right. you know. But, I, you, but even in that, in, in that conversation needs to be held. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and again, we're still waiting on all the facts in this case. My understanding is this guy had actually passed a background check. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, again, I don't know that that's 100% accurate, but that's what I was hearing this morning from some pretty good sources. So I, I, these are conversations that we need to have. They can't be ignored. They can't be passed on. I really think that we probably need to zero in more, um, even to the conversation with gun laws, okay? Um, again, most reasonable people favor reasonable gun laws, yes. right? Uh, we, we tend to go to extremes in these conversations with mm -hmm. a Beto O'Rourke type. We're going, yeah, hell yeah, I'm taking your guns, that yeah. kind of stuff. That, that gets us nowhere. That makes no progress. It's not realistic. Um, but even if we had more gun laws, do we really think a mass murderer would not do this because of a gun law? I mean, he's, Hard to say. he's I mean, just violated the most basic law in the world, thou shalt not kill. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't see gun laws changing this. What, what I do think that we could have a serious conversation about and make some progress on is why was this school not secured? Yeah. How do you walk in, how does anyone walk in with a handgun and a rifle into a school in 2021? Um, my daughter attended two elementary schools, Payne and Cabo. Mm -hmm. She has attended Hewitt Trussell Middle School. She is now a student at Hewitt Trussell High School. Your daughter followed the exact same path. Sure. Um, since Sandy Hook. You can't get in the front door. I have not been able to walk in the front door without being buzzed in. Yep. And why is this not taking place at other schools? Why is this not standard in schools? If, if as a society, we believe we should protect our most vulnerable, there's nobody more vulnerable than our young people, than our children. Why is why is that even an opportunity for him to walk in? Yeah, um, and and so that's that's where I think our focus should be. Yeah, you know we we're not going to cure every mental illness. We're not going to uh, fix in, in no matter how many gun laws we pass, background checks. We're not going to close every loophole. Yeah, what we can do is close the schoolhouse door. Yeah, and it's time to start holding school districts accountable when that isn't done, yeah. in my opinion. Well, I think, I'm, I'm surprised by the fact that he was able to get into that school so easily. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, because of just from what you just said. I mean, it, you know, I, I think from where we sit, I think our children are pretty well protected. I do, I do um, too. But, you know, the city of Trustful's made an investment in right in protecting kids right. because they have officers there to protect kids all the time. Right. Um, not every, I guess not every community can afford to do that. Um, some just choose not to. Um, but it, 
I, I would I would say that it is simply a matter of priorities. Okay, yeah. um, if if every school system has plenty of money going through the system, and and they can always use more, no 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 argument there. But there is more than enough funding in every school system to make the decision to prioritize security and protect that front door. Yeah. Okay. Um, there doesn't have to be an armed guard sitting there. I mean, if, if a gunman comes up to the door and can't get in without being buzzed in, then that's a pretty good deterrent whether there's an SRO there or not. Yeah. Whether you can afford to have an armed guard there or not, you can certainly afford to put in passageways that cannot be accessed without somebody inside letting you in. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it is going to take, in schools fall to states, okay? That's a state responsibility, not a federal government responsibility. But I, I, what I'd like to see in the state of Alabama is Governor Ivey, as governor of the state and uh, president of the school board, state school board, is to issue a decree. You are going to protect your school. Yeah. You are going to put in a security system that will not let outsiders in without you actively letting them in. And you're going to do it now, and you're going to do it in every school system in Alabama, period. Yeah. And we can find a little bit of comfort there uh, in that when we send our kids to school, they're in a safe environment and a safe place that somebody can't just walk in off the street with a gun and start shooting people. Yeah. Well... And and I think that they ought to appropriate money to the funds for for that kind of thing too. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean I I, yeah. I mean you know if, if we say here's here's X amount of dollars for bulletproof glass on your front doors. Yeah, I, I think what it. we're going to find out is money was allocated several years ago for it. Yeah. And and listen, I'm not singling out any school in Alabama uh, that that is or is not doing it. I don't know. Yeah. I feel very comfortable that my child's school has made it a priority. I feel very comfortable that um, it would be difficult for anybody to walk in in a school during a school day uh, without being access without being granted access from within the school. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, we, we we do have issues that, that we've got questions even here in Trussell that have not been answered. Uh, we're going to renew our our request for information on this. You know, we did have an incident at the high school. I think it was either on a Saturday or a Sunday, Saturday. Yeah. Um, a few months ago, where th- there was a gun incident. Uh, it did, the, the, an assault was reported. Could have ended, could have ended a lot worse. Could have ended a lot worse. Uh, an assault was reported at the high school gym. Uh, police responded. They located the people involved a few blocks away and did find a gun in the vehicle. We, we still don't know how those people got in. We still don't know what they were doing there. We still don't know if they used a key, if they broke in. We've asked if anybody was trespassed uh, related to that incident. And our response from Dr. Patty Neal was, I I don't have any information on that. So if your superintendent can't answer those questions, and and again, this happened on when school was closed, I I feel like they are doing a good job when school is in session. Sure. But I I think that as as a community, we have every reason to ask these questions and every reason to expect, you know, good, complete answers on what took place. Um, and so you, you, we, we, we've got to be vigilant in this, not just the school system, but the community and, and asking for accountability and demanding accountability. I agree with you 100 um, percent. Well, it's just a it's just a, a horrible thing. And. 
um, you know, you don't, you don't want anyone to have to go through what those parents in Uvalde, Texas are having to go through. Um, and it's just unimaginable. And um, it's happening too often. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a, like you said, there's a, it's multifaceted. But it's going to take some intelligent, grown-up conversation. And unfortunately, our legislators and congressmen are not very good at grown-up conversations right now. I, not, I, not at this period I agree in history. With that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, because everybody runs to their corners. Right. You've got you've got the left saying, you know, well let's let's regulate guns, let's take guns away, let's ban assault rifles, and then you got another side running straight to their corner saying, absolutely not. Um, we'd rather arm everyone if we have to. I mean, there's got to be a there's got to be a better way. And I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to have to walk down the street with a six shooter on my hip like I'm right. in, like I'm in, uh, uh, yellow, uh, not Yellowstone. <laughs> Yellowstone's. A, uh, <laughs> oh, what was the movie Tombstone? Tombstone. Tombstone. I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want it to be like Tombstone. I don't want to be white or well, you, white or walking down the street you, in my black. When you think hat. about the old West days, part of the reasons they did that is because it was a lawless society. Yeah. Um, so, you know, no, we don't want to go back to that. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I'm with you on this. I think that, you know, and, and I remind people a lot that with every right comes responsibility. Yeah. And not just in gun rights, but in, in every right that we look at, whether it's freedom of speech, um, freedom to own guns, you know, all these different freedoms that we have. With every freedom, there comes responsibility. And as a society, we have started leaning way too much toward demanding the freedoms and refusing to take the responsibility that goes along with it. So um, we, we have to, as a society, get back to taking that responsibility and taking it seriously. I mean, even with what I'm talking about with securing our schools. Sure. Okay, and I think we can do that. I think that needs to get back in states' hands and states need to get serious about this and, and put down solid rules on how we're gonna protect our kids inside a school building. But let's remember, we had a mass shooting in a grocery store yeah. in the last week. Um, we've had mass shootings in theaters. Yeah. So it's not, even if, we, even if we are able to secure the schools, that's not alone going to fix this. Yeah. We've had mass shootings in nightclubs. Um, there has to be responsibility to match the rights uh, in order to get the stuff under control. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, that mass shooting at, at the, the theater in Aurora, Colorado, one of uh, my in-laws was actually in that theater. I wow. probably told you this before. Uh, she told a pretty harrowing, and she's had PTSD ever since then. Yeah. Uh, but she was on a first date with a guy, and he was happened to be uh, uh, an Iraq war veteran. Uh, so he threw her on the ground, and... They, bear, they, they basically crawled on their stomach out of there. Just, and she said she wouldn't have survived if not for his military training. Right. Um, but it's just so many stories like that. And, um, yeah. and I mean, do you think as Americans we're more violent? I mean, what, 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 why I, does this happen here? I don't think, I don't, know and, that, I don't know that we're more violent. I do think that we have become desensitized to, yeah. to, to um, the value of life. You know, we, we focus on these mass shootings because they're so horrendous, okay? Yeah. In 48 hours, in the city of Birmingham, 
we had six people shot and two killed mm -hmm. in, four, in 24 hours yeah. in the city of Birmingham. And this is not an uncommon occurrence it's not. in the city of Birmingham. No. So it's, it's, you know, we, we do focus on these big incidents where it just creates a place for national mourning. But the fact is it is happening in our cities and in our streets every single day. Yeah. And the number of victims and suspects that are teenagers, and again, I'm staying with Birmingham here, mm -hmm. is staggering. Yeah. There is a complete loss of respect for life in general. And I, I, again, it's gonna be a multifaceted issue coming from a lot of different directions. Um, so, you know, you talk about your neighbors in Lauderdale, buying a place in the middle of nowhere on a lake in Alabama, uh, which is next door to the place in the middle of nowhere on a lake in Alabama that you bought, mm -hmm. uh, which is not far from a place in the middle of nowhere on top of a mountain that I bought. Sure. Um, and I, I, all of this, I think that's a, a one of the driving factors with all of us yeah. is we wanted a place where we could get away from everybody um, because I don't know where society's going yeah. with this. Well. I don't either, and um, uh, you know I don't want to be. Days like today, it's easier. It's easier to be doom and gloom yeah. versus you it know is. Pollyanna. But um, it, it, you just when you when you see this kind of thing, and when you wake up and you see the news, or when you scroll through Twitter and see it's the news, devastating. It, it's devastating. And the thing that really frustrates me is. It's devastating, but instead of saying, how do we fix this, everybody runs to their corners yeah. and and ready for the bell to ring to come out with their political warfare. So, That's right. Um, all right. Finally today, I guess we'll spend a couple minutes on this. Um, uh, you guys had a story recently, um, or just in the last couple of days, about... Uh, a poster in a middle school at Clay Chalkville is drawing some attention. Um, and uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, I saw this, and they've got all these history, people in history, and there's there's been a debate going around about, you know, and it was Shay, what was his name, Shay? Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. The Cuban Revolutionary. Uh, it's a famous poster. The guys, yeah. you see it a lot, and you see it on T-shirts, and you see, you know. Anyway, there's this poster that's up, and uh, it, it caused some, it it's caused some backlash, um, and I saw that you know there was people people commenting saying. We shouldn't be teaching this, and and that's that bothers me because I think that you teach everything, right, right, um, and because that's what that's what people are there. You know, people are there to learn and then make their own decisions about this. And um, you you talked yesterday a little bit about um, if you're going to teach history, teach every aspect of it, and I agree with that. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, the, the um, and the story was from 1819 News. Um, the, the young man's name that wrote it, I believe, was Blakeney, Will Blakeney, mm -hmm. uh, something along those lines. And uh, I, th I thought he did a very comprehensive story. I know 
um, that, that there was some perception that the story was kind of going after Clay Joffle Middle School, but that if you read the story and understood what you were reading, then you know that's not the case at all. Um, th this was a poster. Shea is a, is a known revolutionary, um, and, and I, I will, I will, I would I would use the description revolutionary, um, and and he he is often held up as kind of a hero of the people, mm -hmm. uh, but he was a revolutionary in the socialist movement. He was actually a ruthless murderer, and it's one of those things where th this poster that you're mentioning does pop up a lot. You see the same picture on T-shirts, and 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 a lot of people embrace this this character as a revolutionary, not understanding that, you know, his true history is one of murdering innocent people literally by the thousands. Uh, he was responsible for thousands and thousands of murders um, and, and was a despicable human being, if you want to use the term human being. Yes. But we tend, to, um, we tend to throw symbolism up. And it's not just in this case. There's other examples of it. Without really teaching our young people the full story of, of what is behind this guy. And in this case, one of the things that got the attention, his poster was on display with a poster of Jesus Christ, Muhammad, and Buddha, I believe. Um, and, and he could not have been any more different than the other three. You I know, would 100% agree Which picture does not belong? Um, and I think that as the author started trying, of the, or the writer started trying to get more information from Clay Middle School, there weren't really any solid answers for, forthcoming as to why this would be on display and, and what is exactly being taught to the students regarding this. You know, we, we focus on stuff like uh, critical race theory. We mm -hmm. focus on stuff like uh, gender identity and all these things slipping into our schools. And, and I think most people in Alabama have a comfort level that we probably won't deal with much of that uh, yes. in, in this state because most local school boards aren't going to let that in. But we, we ignore that little things like this are already happening and, and have happened for years yeah. where we, things pop up on uh, classroom walls without the background and the explanation uh, that, that needs to come to young students to explain fully the background on these people. Yeah, uh, we do it. We talked a little bit about, you know, it's not it's nothing new that history tends to get whitewashed a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just found the article, by the way, it was Shea Guevara. Yeah, was the Ernesto Shea Guevara was the the uh, the guy's name. He's the one that led the rebellion against Batista in 1959. Right. Uh, Batista was. Um, bought and paid for by the United States government. And uh, it was a nice place for all the gangsters in the 30s and 40s to go and go yeah. to the beach down in Havana and no more. But, um, you know, I, I think you teach the history and you, but you, you teach all the history yeah. and that's, that's where we're missing it. So um, I think we'll stop there today. Um, we'll have some more topics for you guys all next week. Um, and, uh, We'll get into it then. So you guys take it easy. We'll talk next week.